0: Welcome back to episode 31, everyone. What's up, man? Jiu Jitsu Dummies podcast. We're sponsored by Fight Pack CBD. Get 15% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. Uh, we're going to give away four bottles of CBD on our IG this month. We already gave away two. There's two more bottles. Uh, go to our Instagram at Jiu Dummies. Find the giveaway, any giveaway post, follow directions. You know, you're going to repost, add a couple of friends, uh, you know, the, the normal stuff. Make sure you're following our page and Fight back CBD. Uh, we also want to thank Flow and Roll, at Flow and Roll on Instagram. It's actually at Flow underscore N underscore and Roll, underscore Roll on Instagram. Get 20% off your online order with code JJD at FlowandRoll.com. Check out their Instagram. As always, they've got awesome custom work. Don't oh, just yeah. look at their website. The website, yeah, you can order T-shirts and stuff that's ready to kind of like, you know, pre-design. follow. Yeah, but uh, check out their custom work. It's awesome if you are a professor or you own a gym or a team, you run a team, they do awesome designs, gi, no gi, it's incredible. So go check them out. We're also doing a $100 giveaway with Flow. So check out our IG, same thing, find the Flow and Roll. We're giving away one, uh, a group of, you know, $100 worth of product from Flow yeah. and Roll as well. Just one giveaway at the end of the month. So we've got a couple of, uh, what is it, 23rd, 24th today? Uh, yes, 23rd. Yeah, so uh, so get out there and, uh, and definitely, uh, you know, post. Uh, or repost. Uh, shout-out to at Southeastern Submission Classic. Their next event is on November 21st. That's in Pensacola uh, at the Pensacola Fairgrounds. It's an open tournament. Kids and adults of all levels can register at subclassic.com. And thank you to Flow & Roll for putting us together with them. We are also sponsored by War Bar Soap. Get 25% off any of their hygiene products with oh, yeah. code JJD at warbarsoap.com. You'll also see this guy. This is my favorite. You see me spraying myself. All the time. I take a shower at the gym with this, basically, <laughs> yeah. after a roll. This is Power Shield. This is really awesome. It's got a really cool kind of spray feature. You press it once, and it sprays out a lot. Uh, but I'll hose myself down, basically, yep. to get all the you know the the yuckies off. Yep. Uh, so Bacteria. Yeah. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share, wherever you're watching or listening. We appreciate the feedback and support. And guys, with the holidays coming... We've had a really, really great response with the Amazon uh, Smile. Yeah, I still use it. Yeah, I got people at my job using it. Awesome, yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. it so much. I think you have
1: know? donated like close to like seventy or eighty dollars uh, yeah, from awesome. all our purchases.
0: Listen, I'm I, I'm starting to get checks from like Facebook and. You know, there's a company that handles it's like network for good that sends you the money that you donate through Facebook or IG. So we appreciate it all. But with the holidays coming, this is a really great way for you not to have to do anything more than do your holiday shopping on Amazon. Yeah. And if you've set your settings to donate to us, just go on Amazon. And just search Amazon yeah. Smile. It'll bring you to the page. It, just follow the directions. You'll be able to opt in to donating to the Jiu Jitsu Dummies Foundation get every order. Just
1: type my suggestion is type in just dummies and it's the first one that pops <laughs> there up. There you go. Jiu Jitsu right. could be a hard word to spell sometimes. I got
0: you. Awesome. That's that's yeah. a great catch, man. Um, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We're gonna, you're going to, you're going to learn a little bit more about how we can help you pay for your, your tournament fees. And we're going to talk about your tournament at the end. Hey. We're going to save. Oh, I'll let you talk about it, but, uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil the surprise. Not a uh, surprise. so guys, I'm Milton Campus, purple belt, fight sports, Coral Springs. You can check me out on Instagram at uncle milty BJJ.
1: Oh, I'm Miguel Licarica. I am a blue belt at fight sports, Coral hey, Springs. Hey, blue belt. Hey. No more senior white belt. Uh, yeah. Fight, uh. I compete and, now. And,
0: and, and yeah. gold medal. Nogi. Nogi gold
1: medal winner. Adult. Well, I mean, it gets really specific, but yeah, yeah I, I did okay <laughs> at a tournament. Undisputed Nogi. Cha- is it undisputed Nogi <laughs> champion? Yeah, I don't
0: know if we want to talk about it. it? We're going to hit it at the end of the yeah. show. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. Undisputed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guys from Jits yeah. the uh, Eddie, yeah. I think he did like one tournament. Love him to death. There you go. Jits kick on the screen. Yeah. Uh he, Oh yeah, he, he did won one. one. He did like one tournament <laughs> and he called it undisputed. Un, undefeated, undefeated. Undefeated champion. Yeah. So that it's it's awesome. That's where I got that from. So technically, competitively,
1: I'm undefeated in <laughs> no gi. There you go. <laughs> technically speaking. Well, and you did gi as well. I did. I got slaughtered though. Did you? Yeah, it was a different Don't story. Don't worry, it happens. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. It's a good learning experience. Okay.
0: Very cool. All right, guys, um, we're going to dive right in with today's guest. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's throw him up on the screen now. Let's, uh, let's not wait. Uh, we're going to put him up here.
1: Bam. Joining yeah. us
0: today is former U.S. Army combat engineer, Purple Belt, and author of the new book, Roger Up. He sits on the board of the Resilient Warrior Foundation, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brett Magnuson. Hey. Welcome, Brett. How you doing, man? Make sure you're off of mute.
2: Oh, <laughs> hey, you you're gotta on take, mute. Got to take,
0: take you off mute. <laughs> gotcha. Wow.
1: Hey, gotcha. You'd, you'd, have
2: thought I was a, you'd have thought I was a Marine for a minute. There. <laughs> yeah. oh, take on. the
1: crayons out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> too
2: bad, exactly. too bad
0: Junior's man. not here. How you doing, Brent? How's it going, man?
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm awesome, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of what you guys are doing, and... uh it's nice to see some junior belts. I'm a purple belt myself. (laughs) I think a lot of the stuff you see out there, uh, very similar to the military, is you only see a lot of the high-level stuff. You don't see a lot of the junior enlisted guy stuff. And in the jiu-jitsu world, um, where there's a tremendous amount of people doing amazing things, like flow grappling and all the interviews with Bouchesha and Gordon Ryan and all the top guys, it's really cool to get the perspective of, like, your man there just yeah. went from white belt to blue belt. That's yeah. a big jump. And purple belt is like that middle of the road. I think yeah. once you get the purple belt, you have made that commitment to yourself that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through. And yeah. it's cool yeah, that yeah. you guys are doing this.
0: Awesome, awesome. You know, it's kind of funny because when we started this, you know, we didn't really know where it was gonna go. I think the first two episodes. No. We did it without a guess, like you know, it was just our our team and it went over so well. And people liked it. And, you know, I always tell everybody, I think our audience is probably like mostly just from the interactions I see online is what I'm judging from is mostly like, you know, kind of purple. Yeah, belt I mean, down. that's a backbone,
1: purple. you know? Yeah, that's like and,
0: and and I always like to say this and I think I might have said this to you on the phone, Brent. You know, there's more of us than there are those famous guys. Right. Most people that do jujitsu or are, are, you know, quote unquote, hobbyists are guys that aren't looking to compete, do it for self-defense, started when they're old. I mean, there's tons of us. Right. So it just, there was no kind of like roadmap onto what this was going to be, but it's kind of turned into, number one, you know, again, getting people on, not necessarily the most famous guys out there, but people that are doing really cool stuff, you know, between... You know, having you on, and we could talk about the foundation that you said. You know, the the uh, Resilient Warrior Foundation. But you know, we shout out Mission Twenty Two. We shout out We Defy. I'm an ambassador, Junior, right. who's not here as an ambassador. But having people on like Tap Cancer Out, Warrior's right. Next Adventure, just all DD these guys that are doing really cool all those stuff. guys, yeah. And it's funny because I actually always wind up being pleasantly surprised that like they're blue belts and purple belts. You know, the guys that we've They're had hungry. on, you know, it's, we didn't search out black belts, but it just wound up being these guys are young guys. And it's always kind of like, oh, shit, he, you know, the guy from he's a 12 year blue belt. So he's probably really a brown belt. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's been in and out. So uh, so it's been really cool. So it's cool that you recognize that. We love it. We're happy with the space that we're filling. And it's been a it's been a hell of a ride, man. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this. So welcome again, man. Welcome again. Welcome. So let, let's let's uh, let's start from the beginning. Yeah, Brent,
1: absolutely.
0: let's let's. Uh, Let's start from, uh, I don't, did you start jiu-jitsu first or were you in the military and found jiu-jitsu? Where do you want to start? Tell us, can you, you know, give us the background?
2: Yeah, Army definitely came before uh, jiu-jitsu. So I grew up outside, of, just outside of Chicago and uh, sports were a big part of my life growing up. Uh, like most people, I did the Taekwondo or the hapkido for a couple of years. Uh, started wrestling in fifth grade through high school okay. and soccer, was also uh, soccer was also a, a big passion Man. and then did the army and then was cognizant of the fact that things were happening. I enlisted in 1996. So think you're only three years after Hoyce Gracie in 1993, really put jujitsu on the map. So although 96, 97, 98 army combatives and Gracie combatives were being kind of implemented into the, at least into the army curriculum, uh, they were still very new and fresh, and unless you were in uh, a spec op community, you probably weren't going to get much access to it. So um, I, I always knew about it, and, and then finally, when I moved to Las Vegas in 2007, 2008 is when I first started training. Um, I started training with the Carlson Gracie team out there and have been pretty much training since 2008 and people would do the math and say you've been training for 12 years but you're a purple belt and uh to that i say i've had a lot of injuries <laughs> and I'm, right i'm the guy kind of like joe rogan's i mean joe rogan was a brown belt for like 11 years so i mean, it's. In the beginning, I was really obsessed with the belts. And you see all these ads about how to get your black belt in four years or less. And, Oof. you know, the BJ Pens and the Coyoteras of the world are, are very rare breeds. And oh, yeah. I like the fact that out of all the martial arts, in my humble opinion, jiu-jitsu is the hardest to get a black belt. And on average, it does take 10-plus years to get it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's if you're getting it from a legit school and you're not paying for it, and uh, which is a whole nother topic. But... Um, yeah. So since then, and now I'm, now I'm back in Chicago and, uh, you know, in between different surgeries that I've, I've had over the years last year, I didn't train much cause I have my right shoulder done and my nose done. I'm having my left shoulder done in two weeks, three oh weeks. You look great um, by the way. So <laughs> it, uh, yeah, well, no, I had a bunch of breaks. So I had to get the deviated septum <laughs> oh, done, gotcha. which was like the best thing I ever did. But, um, now I'm, in, I'm in, uh, back in Chicago, and I'm proudly with the uh, Luis Claudio combat team. Uh, Luis is an amazing guy. He's a fourth degree under Hicks and Gracie. And for all of your listeners, I'm sure, just like if you follow basketball, you've heard of Michael Jordan. If you follow tennis, you've heard of Roger Federer. If you like horse racing, you're familiar with Secretariat. And if you like jiu-jitsu, right. unless you're living under multiple rocks, you obviously know who Hicks and Gracie is. If you don't go watch the documentary Choke, it'll change yeah. your life yeah. and get you inspired to train. Arguably and the Luis, best. Yeah. And Luis is arguably one of his best black belts. Him and his brother Tiago are running the Luis Claudio combat team, a bunch of UFC guys, and uh, just an awesome team, and proud to be part of that. And, uh, yeah. All
0: right. Nice. So, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I got two military guys here. You were an army engineer?
1: No, I, I went in as a cook, but I went into an engineering unit. So, like, okay. something that he would get is like, it doesn't matter what your MOS is. It's just like, you need to do, you're a soldier first. So, like, whatever unit you're in, that's what you're going to do. And I just happened to join, like, right before 9 11. Mm-hmm. So, I went in as a cook. I went to basic training, which is not MOS related, which is whatever your army job is. Everybody does the same thing. They just kind of get you on the same page or a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Then from there, they ship you out to your schooling. So, even when I went to, to AIT, which is where they teach you your, your MOS, which is your military occupation, right? Um, I really wasn't even that involved because I was actually running cross-country uh, for the Army, for Fort oh, yeah. Lee. Yeah. So, it's like I didn't wake up the same. I woke up earlier than most people. And then from there, um, I didn't really go to a lot of the classes because I was doing events and, and promotional stuff and then training. And then from there, I went straight to airborne school. And then from airborne school, I went to go to ranger school. But then, like, huge deployment started happening. So they, they immediately – I was supposed to go to, um, to Texas. Uh, it was supposed to be my original unit. But then they changed my orders once I got my airborne designation. They sent me to Fort Bragg, North Carolina for the 82nd Airborne Division. As soon as I was there, I was only there for, like, maybe like a month or two. Got a couple jumps in. Got everything ready. We were just, we were really just packing to deploy. And uh, I was assigned to my unit and it was straight to Kuwait. And then from Kuwait, it was you you go there to like climatize. The joke is they call it Kuwaiting.
2: Right. <laughs> you go so you,
1: before you go into country and before you leave out of country, you go to Kuwait and then you just kind of chill there and just kind of get your bearings on the way in and then do some training and you get climatized to the weather. And then on the way out, they just kind of like decompress you before, you know, psychologically speaking, they check you out and stuff like that. They, they get you ready to, to redeploy to America, essentially. Yeah. And and then um, so in country. To, to,
0: do you guys cross paths at all? I yeah, know you
1: spoke a little know. bit. Have you guys crossed Were paths? Were you in Fallujah you guys- in 03? <laughs> 02, 03?
2: Uh, no, I got out. I was in from 96 to 2000. Oh, okay. And,
1: uh, right before it got yeah, I got
2: still, out. I still, I still got a few deployments in. It, I'm one of those uh, rare guys that did the whole Bosnia thing. Right. And we were in, yeah, so Bosnia, you know, that war kicked off in the early 90s. And there were still, whether we were, we were there with I-4 or an S-4 capacity. Um, and although we were there technically in a peacekeeping mission, things were still quite volatile and um yes yeah, so we were there in 98 we were there in 97 we were there in 98 yep. and then uh we had a little uh little support uh we provided for uh an sf unit in macedonia for a few weeks then we had kosovo in 99 so our unit was we were I was stationed in southern germany at vielsac uh, the smallest army base in, uh, in germany nice so we were very deployable. We didn't even fly. Like when we deployed to Bosnia, they bust us down on like these really high-speed greyhounds. And uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, so you helped. That was awesome, man.
1: That's third What's group that? out there, right? Out in Stuttgart. Was that the SF unit you were helping out? You're yes. Right. Yeah, I was supposed to go there. <laughs> uh, like uh, <laughs> when I signed up the second time, while I was already in, but then yeah. I got stop laws and fenced in, and I had to do another deployment with the eighty second. I was supposed to go to Germany. Nice. So yeah. now
0: let's talk about let's talk about Roger Up. Your book is called Roger Up: The Mission Ready Blueprint to Crush the Morning, Own the Day, and Become the Best Version of You. Is this like directly related to you? Like you know, tell us how the book came about. Let's let's let you explain.
2: Yeah. So the book came about because I finally. Uh, even though I've been writing for years, I finally, besides articles on uh, some military websites and just, you know, basically blogging and writing blogs for different companies, I finally decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write my own book and put it out there and put myself out there, really because I want to do, become a speaker. And early on, I learned that you don't write a book to make money. You write a book. And that book will serve essentially as your credibility, it'll serve as a springboard or a launching pad for whatever career you want to choose. Now, if that's going down the coaching route, if that's going down the speaking route, or a mix of both, um, I wanted to be a speaker. And immediately, I started surrounding myself. And I, I, I talk a lot about circle of influence in the book and who you surround yourself with. And It's applicable in every walk of life. It's applicable in the jujitsu room. And I want to do as much as I can to talk about jujitsu, but there's so many correlations to what this book talks about, even though there's an entire chapter on jujitsu. But you can think about the jujitsu school you train at. If there's a full class, like a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday night class, a gi class, and there's 20, 30 people in there, you know the group of people that are just BSing, shooting the breeze, talking about some young breezies they were chasing at the mall or whatever. (laughs) And then, you know, the group of guys that isn't taking water breaks. They just want to train because they're so happy that they get to be at that gym for an hour and a half or two hours. Mm -hmm. They're not hanging around telling war stories for an hour afterwards. They're not there a half an hour early. They're there to train. They're there to learn. So those different groups in the jujitsu world and they all have their you know, they're all cool in their own way. Uh, I really quickly realized that I needed to surround myself with people that had what I want. So for example, Jason Redmond, he's a retired SEAL. He wrote the forward to the book. Uh, He's become a really good friend over the last few years. And I saw the trajectory of his speaking career. And from writing a book, his first book was The Trident. It was a eventually became a New York Times bestseller. And he used that as a spring pad, a a launching board, if you will, to really launch his speaking career. And I just started hitting different people up. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm a vet too. I want to know what you're all about. And I know you have a speaker bureau. What do I need to do to get involved? Do you want me to start going to Toastmasters? Do you want me to like pitch you? And I just started literally chasing down people who had what I wanted, and we're doing what I wanted to do. And you know, I'm a real big believer in you're the average of your five closest friends. I'm not talking about your girlfriend, your husband, your kids, your mom and dad. I'm talking about the five people you surround yourself with the most. And at the end of the day, it's so true. You're the average of those five people's income. You're the average of those five five people's happiness. I mean, if you're hanging around five broke people, it's only a matter of time until you're number six. If you're yep. hanging around five guys that hang out in the bar more than they do at the gym, it's a good chance that you're going to be number six. If you're hanging around five guys that never get laid, there's a very good chance you're number six.
0: That's why so, I'm not yeah. getting laid. Holy
2: shit. That's, and, also, and we can talk about weird. that offline. I have a I have a coaching yeah. program. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can talk about that
0: later. There's a Go ahead, man. Uh, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just saying there's a I,
2: there's I, I, a no, song no, that go I listened to. Go ahead.
1: I was just saying there's a song that's a, it's old, like it's like a like a, almost like a like a metal type song, but the title of it is pretty cool. It's it's uh don't expect to soar like an eagle when you're hanging around with turkeys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go, that yeah. sums it up. And there's some interesting elements because as some people know, originally Benjamin Franklin was really pushing for the turkey to be our national bird. Uh, the eagle won out. I'm a big fan of the turkey. I'm actually scheduled to go shoot some in a couple of weeks. Up nice. Time. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And I think. You know, you know that's one of the biggest reactions I've, I've got to the book, even though we've got contributions from so many people and and all the morning routine stuff and everything else, I think one of the biggest responses has been all the circle of influence stuff, because you know, we've all been there where we're just starting to get ahead, especially guys like us that are entrepreneurial. We're, we're putting our name out there. We're doing things that are different. You're always going to have those proverbial crabs in the bucket that once you start getting a little success, they get salty and they want to pull you down. And some of these people we've known for 10, 15, 20 years, and it's hard to fire friends. And uh, what I, I've I just, fi- I have, just
0: fired a friend. I just fired awesome. a friend that was talking real? about
2: it. He sent me a text.
0: I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into it. Yeah. But he said the worst thing he could have possibly said to me at a time when the country's like burnt, like with everything that's going on. He sent me the most racist text, and I, I just. I told my wife, I just can't. I have to cut this person out. I wow. can't. I can't let that happen. But I actually did that. And it. it I'm sorry to see him go. I considered him a business mentor, mm-hmm. but I just said, I. I it. The fact that I even have to look at his name in my phone and there's a negative thought when I see that, I put a bad taste in your mouth. That's yeah. you know, exactly what Brent's saying. You know, I just yeah. I had to cut that person out. I and and well, again, you're talking about better, the av- being the average of my friends. Um, you know, I don't I ever want to be that. I I never want to send a message like he sent to me as a joke. I never want to send that to anybody, and I want to be very conscious of it. So so I'm practicing what Brent's preaching here. That's yeah. cool. No, I, I won't get. Do, I'm do, not do, gonna do, get rid do. of you, Miguel.
1: I will not get rid of you, buddy. I. I mean, <laughs> all all my choke all my jokes are tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I'm not offending anybody. Go ahead,
0: Brandon. I, I didn't look mean. Bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but <laughs> go ahead. Finish your thought.
2: No, that's awesome. I love hearing stuff like yeah. that. And good on you, Ford. It's yeah. hard yeah. to fire people, whether you've known them for two years or 20 years. And you know, quite honestly, that's one of the most amazing things the military taught me is I had guy, I enlisted when I was 19. Okay. I had guys I grew up with in an awesome suburb of Chicago called Oakbrook Terrace. And man, we were thick as thieves. This is eighties and nineties. Uh, and, and I loved these guys. And I still talk to a ton of them. I just got married for the first time two years ago. Congrats. A lot of them were at the wedding. Thank you. But And and you can relate to this, and every guy and gal that has served can relate to this, especially if you're attached to a combat unit and you're deploying. There were guys in my unit when I got to Germany in 97, and six months later, I trusted them more than I trusted guys I grew up with and knew for literally 15, 16 years since I was three or four years old. And it's nothing against those guys I grew up with. It's because when you really, really embrace the suck together, which is a a really catchy term right now. But when you go through really hard times with people that sticks and it's, and it's something that's really important about jujitsu from a personal development perspective, when you go through hard things, you know, it makes you a better person. And, and we'll touch on this a little more. I I appreciate you guys letting me talk about Mm -hmm. uh, the resilient warrior foundation a little later, but just from a personal development perspective, not PTSD, nothing to do with veterans, just a regular guy or gal that goes into the gym and has anxiety issues, has depression issues, has space and trust issues. When you're on your back and you've got a 200-pound gorilla sweating all over you and literally trying to strangle you, even though it's training, you have to put your life in your limbs Mm -hmm. and trust that person. And when you've got that type of person on you and you're a smaller guy or gal, you know, it builds trust and it builds confidence and it relieves anxiety knowing that you're able to get out of that. Even if you popped up, you know, you, you swept them, you got up and you ran, you've escaped that situation. Right. And this stuff builds character. I mean, jujitsu is one of the biggest character builders in the world and it, and we can have a whole other conversation about it, what it does for the male ego, which needs tremendous uh, humbling. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. I'll get I'll get yeah. off my soapbox. For a well,
0: minute. I, I love that you, you're mentioning that. I mean, we're you know, we're preaching to the choir a little bit here in this room. But for those people that are out there, parents that are listening or anybody that's listening, even considering or thinking about doing jujitsu. Um, I love hearing it from someone like you who you said you did taekwondo when you were younger and you found jujitsu, and you see the value and the difference. Um, I know I, I was watching the podcast uh, that you did with uh, with Mind Dog. And, um, you know, you were talking about your wife. Uh, your wife you you use your wife as an example. Does she also train jiu-jitsu?
2: She does. not My nine-year-old daughter does. Your wife does not. And um, uh, my wife does not okay. train. No. okay. Okay, so you used her as an example, but uh... I, you know,
0: I, I use that same example with my wife, and I, and I tell her, because uh, she doesn't, she does, she does kickboxing. She has like one of those kickboxing gyms that she goes to. Uh, it's pretty cool. She gets, she loves it. She's fallen in love with it, like I fell in love with jujitsu. That's awesome. She truly understands it, but yeah. I cannot get her on the mat. I can't even get her to practice with me. And I'm telling her, you have to understand that if you took everything that you know from your kickboxing and tried to fend off a guy like me who's 230 plus, you, you're not going to be able to hit me hard enough to keep me away, to knock me down, to knock me out, if all I have to do is get an arm. And I don't really think that she understands that. For people out there, uh, you know, I posted a video the other day of a, of a little girl... Uh, doing, like, a flying uh, a flying arm bar in a kid's yeah. tournament, and people were, got more into the, like, why is she doing that in the tournament? And the purpose of me reposting it was, you know, what I posted was, this is why your little girl should be doing jiu-jitsu. Because when she's in college and she knows this, yeah. the guy that even... If they know she does jiu-jitsu, they're not going to touch her without her wanting <laughs> you know without her saying, you can touch me. But... Imagine her getting slapped on the ass in college and what she would be able to do to defend herself versus a a, a, a girl that's never Yeah, uh, uh, compared to a girl that's never done jujitsu. That's why I preach jujitsu. That's why I tell parents when they ask me, they just hear jujitsu and they think martial arts. Yeah. But when a parent talks to me, I said, listen, I think that it's great if they do any martial art for the discipline. But if you truly want them to be able to defend themselves, they have to be doing jujitsu. And if that means going to an MMA gym where they do stand up and jujitsu, great. I'm a big fan of that. But at very least, they need to know some jujitsu. They need to know. And you use this example, Brent, on the, on that podcast. If there is a man on top of my daughter or my wife, that's you know trying to assault her. She, if she does not know jujitsu, she is not going yeah. to be able to get that man off of her where at very least with jujitsu, she's going to be able to Helicopter buy some time, safe. scream, yell, keep that person from really truly assaulting her, yeah. and and she's going to fare better than if she didn't. Her kickboxing is not going to fend off that guy my size trying to hold her yeah.
1: down. At least she'll have good cardio. <laughs> she'll have good cardio, yeah. So I love that <laughs> example. No, you're right. Yeah, go ahead.
2: And you're right, and you touch on something so important, and I, and I have to get this out because – and I'm not going to name any names, but I have a, a dear friend I grew up with who his son is 12. And I just saw on Facebook, he got his black belt in Taekwondo. Wow. Look. And
0: Wait, how old? 13? 12 or 12, 13. 12 or
2: 13. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so, and, and I saw that and my initial reaction was not um, happiness for my friend, happiness for my friend's son, who's put in hard work and accomplished something, I was angry. I was angry that that instructor of that school, and I know there's financial reasons for it, Mm -hmm. but that that instructor at that school gave a 12 or a 13-year-old kid a black belt because all he gave him was false hope Oh yeah, and false confidence. Because I've got news for you. If that kid goes out there and any kid is going to be very it doesn't matter how humbled he is by the martial art. He's going to be confident that he can kick and break all these boards. Unfortunately, he hasn't been, and it hasn't been reinforced with him that boards don't hit back. Mm -hmm. But that little savage wrestler who at 13 or 14 already has cauliflower ears and, and has dreams of wrestling at Iowa, that kid is going to eat this guy alive. And that high kick that he's hit so many times on that board not going to work on that kid who wrestles it's certainly not going to work on a larger opponent and god forbid this kid like 90 percent plus of fights do ends up on his back where us as humans are the least comfortable and especially a guy like me who started wrestling in fifth grade the last place you want to be is your back and what jujitsu does an amazing job of very Mm -hmm. quickly is not just teaching you what to do off your back but getting you comfortable there where you're inevitably, if you're ever in a serious physical altercation, you're probably going to end up there and to be comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And then to jump on what Milton said very quickly, Taking taken a step further daughter, which just based on, like you said, college life and just the fact that men are naturally larger and blah, 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 blah. There's a very good chance that she ends up in that position. And when she knows what to do, and God forbid little Billy had a couple of Miller lights and wants to get a little too frisky, I can promise you, Billy's going to the ER with a broken (laughs) arm at minimum. And that's important to me, and it should be important to every single parent out there. And Milton, you you hit it absolutely on the head there. The martial arts are an amazing thing, but in 1993, we found out once and for all what happens when a kung fu guy fights a wrestler, when a boxer fights a taekwondo guy, and this 170 pounds, six foot one, Hoist Gracie that looked like a part-time flipping accountant mm-hmm. came in without throwing a single <laughs> punch and strangled everyone. Yeah, and then we realized, wow, this makes and, sense. It's
1: and just to touch on and that, works. And just to touch on that, Hoist wasn't the best. Yeah. he was just a really good face. For Gracie Jiu Jitsu, if they wanted to throw a murderer in there, they would have thrown Hickson yeah, in there. Everybody yeah. knows that. So it's like that wasn't even. Yeah, he's in the stable, top three, but not. Now, <laughs> I One of the things,
0: you know, I have, I have two girls. I have a 27 year old daughter, and I have a 16 year old stepdaughter. I know that you, you have a, a stepdaughter as well. One of the, th- if I had a boy, uh, you know, Miguel's got a boy that's just started. He's got Jiu-Jitsu. a boy and a girl. Yeah, boy and a girl, yeah. both doing Jiu Jitsu. And one of the things, again, you know, I, I probably haven't said this as much to parents, but I talk a little bit more about the discipline of jiu-jitsu. But if you think that you are and, – and Mauricio's got a great story for this. If you have a child that is aggressive and you think is is going to be a bully, bring him to jiu-jitsu. Yep. Oh, boy, it's going to humble Not Knock only is it going to humble him, but if you bring him to the right school with the get, good kids program – and they're going to be rewarded or penalized for grades. Yeah, actions taken off the mat. Finding out they were in a fight, they don't want to get in trouble with professor. Professor become you know is almost like a second father in most cases. I know Felipe, our yep.
1: professor is like that. He cares about that stuff.
0: Those kids are more scared of them fi- of him finding out that they got bad grades or got into a fight than their parents finding out. So yeah. if you've got a kid that's aggressive and you think he needs to be humbled, jujitsu is, is the martial art for for you, for them, for that child, because it's going, you said it uh, before, Brent, it is the most humbling of of any of the martial arts, in my opinion. And, I, you know, I've done a little Muay Thai. I did karate when I was younger. I did American Taekwondo as a teenager. Short stints. Yeah, This is the longest I've ever stayed with the yeah. martial art. And, you know, it's addicting to us, but, again, very
1: humbling for for anyone of any age. Cooper's okay. getting it Cooper's getting it right now. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, he's been doing it for, like, a month or two now, and uh, he's going against another little boy, and they're both, like, same level, start at the same time. And Cooper's uh, a little bit better at the takedowns and staying on top against that little kid. And, you know, and they're both white belts, you know, like, super beginner, that, and they're the same size, same age. And then he'll go against a kid who's not that much older than him, but is already, like, a gray belt, solid yeah. gray belt. And a little bit smaller than Cooper. And this kid's like just looking around the room, just manhandling my son essentially. And But but Cooper realized, or even against another girl who just started uh, last summer camp, uh, for obvious reasons, not saying any names or anything like that, but like she's way smaller than Cooper. And just, dist- I mean, this girl has a smile on her face when she subs people. It's like the coolest <laughs> thing to watch. Like yeah. I, I watch her just go against people just because I know it's going to be a good role. But but, but what all I'm saying is, like, Cooper's learning, like, oh, I could do this to this guy, but when I go against this guy or this girl, like, this happens to me. And he's gone through, like, oh, I just can't get it. That's the humbling part. Exactly. He's getting it. He He knows that, like, it, it, i could uh, sometimes i'm the nail and sometimes yeah. i'm the hammer yeah. bro like it goes downhill <laughs> and, you, and you see it in his performance you yeah. see when he goes when he's the hammer you see him be super aggressive yeah but when he's the nail and he knows he he's outmatched you know not even physically just technically he even gets the technical aspect of it he's more conservative yeah. with what he does yeah
2: yeah hey, so milton yeah. you you touched on something that I, and if you'll allow me like three minutes to go get through this, really get, after, get
1: after the it. talk I will, show.
2: I will, I will try not to go full Mussolini from the balcony, <laughs> but this is like one of the biggest things I talk about in the book. And it's so important. So there I'll preface it first by giving credit, due where it is due. There's a retired Lieutenant Colonel named Dave Grossman. And he wrote, we're actually in the same sir, And, um, he wrote a, he's written several phenomenal books, but he uh, wrote a phenomenal book called On Combat. And I take some of the principles of that and I do a whole chapter on it in the book. Essentially what it is broken down is 80% of the population is sheep, 10% are wolves and 10% are sheepdogs. So let's transfer that over into us, human beings. So 80% of our population roughly are sheep, they're following the main Stream media. They're scared. They're doing what they do. They get up every day, not too much passion. They go about life. They're kind of the same way their parents were. Their kids are the same way they are. And that's just the cycle. And then you have the wolf, the other 10%, which are the rapists, the murderers, the child molesters, the traffickers, a little bit of big pharma. We don't need to go there and and whatever else, really bad people. And then you have the 10% that are the sheepdogs. These are the protectors. And in the animal world, one sheep dog can protect an entire flock of sheep, and that sheep every day wakes up hoping to God that that big bad wolf doesn't show up. That wolf spends every waking minute figuring out how he can go slaughter the sheep, and that sheep dog wakes up every single day before everyone else ready, prepared to put his life on the line to protect that sheep. That is his sole purpose in life. And he's the most prepared. Now let's transfer that over into the human world. And let's talk about bullies for a second, because there's some young listeners. Bullies are not just on the playground in third or fourth grade with some knucklehead trying to take your lunch money. Bullies are in high school. They're in college. They're in the military. They're in corporate America. They're in politics. They're everywhere. The mainstream media is a huge bully right now. So what do we do to, t- to combat that? Well, the number one thing we can do is start adapting and adopting more of these sheepdog qualities. So the, the, the reality is, is, if you're a bully there's a very, and a wolf, there's a very good chance your parents or your dad was a bully and his parents were bullies. And if you don't break that cycle, your kids are gonna be bullies. Same with the sheep. If you were bullied as a kid, there's a very good chance your parents were bullied and there's probably a 99% chance, little Timmy, your son's gonna be bullied. And when he does get bullied, you're going to deal with it by saying, it's okay, Timmy, just avoid him and ignore him. It's going to be okay. And this kid's going to continue to come home with a black guy. He's going to continue to go to school with no flipping lunch money. And eventually that can wear on and this kid could become suicidal someday. So how do we fix this? And and very simply, without going too far into the personal development principles in the book and everything else, there's... Three words that can change that whole cycle for the sheep and for the wolf, and that is Brazilian jiu-jitsu or Gracie jiu-jitsu. And and it's so important that people recognize this because if you are that wolf or if you see your son or daughter having wolf-slash-bully tendencies, jiu-jitsu is going to help that. It's going to stop that cycle that's been going on for generations. Conversely, if your child is a sheep and is getting bullied to no fault of their own, This is the most powerful part because again, 80% plus of the population are sheep. And that's not little Timmy's fault that he's a sheep. It's his parents fault and his grandparents fault. And it's just how he was born. It's not his fault. But if his parents are smart enough and they hear this or they hear about jujitsu and they take the time to put him in a program where he's learning the most practical martial art in the world. It's not just about arm bars and choke holds. It's about the confidence that he gets the way he uses his words, the way he talks, that's going to transfer over into the way he talks to a girl that's too pretty in his mind. But he can walk up to her because he has the confidence from jiu-jitsu. It transfers over into how he goes and approaches life, how he goes into a job interview, how he approaches everything he does forward. And jiu-jitsu is so powerful that it can give you all those things for 150 bucks a month and two or three nights a week. That's better than any college degree you'll ever get. And I know I'm going full Mussolini right now, (laughs) but I'm just – now that I have a stepdaughter, this is so important to me. And and we have a few very simple rules in this house. You don't bully anybody, and nobody ever bullies you, and that is non-negotiable. It is treated like war. There are zero exceptions. I don't care if it's a Tuesday night or a Saturday morning. Anyone bullies you, you will handle it, and it stops there. And, um,
0: that's awesome. I'll get off the balcony and I'll, I'll let you guys let, let's jump into the book a little bit, a little bit more. Let's, you know, talk about, you know, how, how did the book actually come about? And then, you know, like kind of, you know, give us some of the key points that you like to, uh, that, that you cover in the book and, you know, why should somebody buy and read this book?
2: That's a good question. (laughs) Well, first off it's every, uh, I, I firmly believe everyone should write a book whether you publish it or not, whether it ends up on Amazon. Um, for me, the book writing process was so powerful because it forces you to self-analyze and it forces you to look in that mirror and say, wow, okay, I'm weak here. I, I, I don't have a lot of strengths here. I need, I need to tune up in certain areas because a lot of us, especially myself, I always play to my strengths. I'm a good communicator. Uh, I have some charisma and I can kind of pawn off my insecurities by making people laugh or comfortable with the way I talk. But I have insecurities just like everyone else. And I have things that I need to work on. And this book, uh, if this book helps anyone out there set goals and become a better version of themselves, half as much as it helped me become a better person, then I've certainly done my job. And, you know, I think the reason you should buy this book is because I believe the ebook right now is like nine ninety seven. I don't know of many returns on investments for less than ten dollars than this book's going to give you, and it's not just me. You've got contributions in here from Jason Redman, who spent twenty one years in the SEAL teams, has had over forty surgeries after getting shot in the face and the arm, and trem- tr- overcame tremendous adversity, and he puts that in the foreword. You've got contributions from people like Tony Robbins and Jocko Willink and Tim Ferriss and Brian Tracy talking about what makes their morning routine so important. And I've taken from all of those and tried to put it into a simple, easy read that has some embarrassing stories about myself. Again, challenging myself to put myself out there. There's a funny story in there about basic training where the only thing I had seen prior to going to basic training was the movie Stripes. (laughs) <laughs> wow! and funny enough i did my basic training at fort knox in 96 that was actually the last all-male basic training wow. to go through and believe it or not that's actually the same obstacle course at fort knox that john candy goes barreling down into the woods during right. their basic training that's and if anybody
0: doesn't know that let me just insert this here because our younger viewers are not going to know look up just google stripes what is it uh uh, not
1: Bill, Bill Murray, Murray. Yeah. Bill
0: Murray, Harold Ramis, yeah. John, John Candy. Candy are in this movie. Watch that movie, it is hilarious, you
1: know. It, and just to, I knew some police officers, you know, and MPs and stuff like that while I was in, and they said super troopers is more accurate than <laughs> to like real police life in, than, in the army, than, though. Or, or no, no, period. just like period, just yeah. like then, than like any other type of serious <laughs> police movie where it's like <laughs> some serious actor trying to solve a crime. Versus it's yeah. like movies like that, like, like, like stripes, like jarhead, like yeah. those movies are more accurate than like your black Hawk downs and your yeah. like, nobody's walking yeah. around shooting wild boar <laughs> off of a Kiowa and then getting it yeah. into an argument with like some high brass about how this is your safety. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, those movies just are more the scene accurate. When Bill
2: Murray, yeah. Just the scene when Bill Murray and Harold Ramos go to the recruiter and he's like, are you two homosexuals? And Bill Murray's like, no, but we're willing to learn. Like, <laughs> it's just such an amazing line. Anyone that's, to, anyone that's gone to MEPS and anyone that's gone, you know you're going to get some goofy questions at least right. 20 years ago. Now now things are a little different, but...
1: Uh, I don't know. They made us duck walk naked, man, when I went to MEPS. So that was weird. What's MEPS for yeah. those who don't know? Oh, so it's like... Uh, it's essentially processing. like... Processing. Yeah, processing. Okay. before, And then they also... they. Like a lot of people, I took my I took my uh, my test in high school, like the written portion of it, and then I just had to go do the physical portion because I was in ROTC all of high school. Also wrestled in high school, shout out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you go to maps, and man. You see some characters there, man, because they they essentially <laughs> they're categorizing you. It's like okay, because there's some jobs that are like really low brow, and there's some jobs that are really high brow. So they 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 essentially just based off of your test scores, based off of your your physical. Capabilities and how flexible you are, and just everything mental mm-hmm. and physical. They've they've kind of derived a test to, to see what jobs in the military you are uh, better suited to do.
2: Okay. Yeah. Like anything else, it's a filter. They're gonna go yeah. off of your ASVAB test. Your ASVAB yep. is basically your your aptitude test that says how intelligent you are over a scope of topics. Yeah. And your physical. Let I got let, a lot let, of funny
1: let, looks for my let, MOS. Let, let me, me like you level, could be anything. <laughs> and if
2: you have underlying health issues.
1: Let me ask you both this question.
0: I'm going to let Brent answer this first. If you could do it all over again, I always want to ask this question because I'm somebody that, you know, considered going into the military and then just didn't. Would you do it all over again?
2: Not only would I do it all over again, but I'm 44 years old and, um, I still miss it. You know, I got a, uh, I got a TBI in 98 in Bosnia. And, uh, you know, I was, you hear this from some guys, but, that's why when I, you know, when I'm around guys like Redman who did 21 years, distinguished service, last year when I was talking with Jocko in Chicago, we had a nice 15-minute conversation about uh, he loves combat engineers because they provided a lot of support for, for him and Ramadi. And talking to these guys, you know, I, I just had an old squad leader that just retired. Uh, shout out to my former uh, squad leader, James Scullion. Scully, just retired as a command sergeant major after 32 years. Wow. I wanted that. I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid by the buckets. Hmm. And um, that TBI in 98 messed me up. And, you know, I covered it up the best I could, but, you know, sleep issues and headaches and all the other nonsense that came. And by 2000, it was enough was enough. And uh, when you're attached to a combat unit and you hear those words, non-deployable, that's basically like being a brand new blue belt and the guy's telling you, you can never compete. Wow. So imagine being a 22 year old brand new blue belt. And all you want to do is go out there and put it on the line and test yourself for you and your team. And you're told you can't compete. It's the same shitty feeling when you're an army guy and you're in a combat unit and you're told you are non-deployable. Wow. That sucks. It's, it's two, two most heartbreaking words um, anyone in that capacity could hear. And, um, yeah, so that's my long detailed answer. In other words, I wish I could have done a, a full career, but, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And, right. uh, I'm, I'm not the most religious guy. I'm more of a power of the universe guy is kind of, mm-hmm. is that sounds to some people, but everything happens for a reason. And who knows, man? I mean, I could, uh, I could have done my first deployment to Iraq or Afghanistan and got smoked, and that was it. Yeah. And you never know. So it is what it is. I got to serve. I'm proud of every day, every month, every year. I got to, to rock that flag and get a gun and do some good for, uh, for God and country. Would you do so. it all over
1: again, Miguel? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just I, if I wouldn't have gotten out, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have had my kids. Yeah. But if you're talking about have my cake and eat it too scenario – yeah, I'd probably, and, and you know what? It probably wouldn't even be smart because I'm like the type of dude, when I do something, I do it all the way. So I was on my way to wanting to go to SF. I tried the first time, but I wasn't a U.S. citizen at the time. So I wasn't allowed. And then by the time I got my citizenship, I was already like fenced in and about to go to my third deployment. And then uh, some personal stuff happened and I decided to, to uh, you know, get out after eight years and, citizenship. Where are you from? Uh, Colombia. Yeah, I was born in Cartagena, uh, Colombia, and I got my—I actually got my my citizenship my second deployment in Biop—that's Baghdad International Airport. I wasn't stationed there, but I drove there, you know, with a a group of people, not by myself, and uh, uh, and we were all in the Chow Hall tent, and we got sworn in by George W. Bush on a television set. Yeah. And the funniest part of that story was uh they like make one guy sing the the Pledge of Allegiance and they pick like the most Korean dude to do it. <laughs> so it was like a hundred people in there trying not to laugh <laughs> <laughs> while he was singing the Pledge of Allegiance. And then we got mortared like ten minutes after that. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, wow. Hey,
2: hey, you, sound young. Uh, you, uh, you sound young man. Cuantos años tienes 36. Oh okay, wow! Yeah, young buck, young buck. Yeah, man.
1: Well, I mean, I joined. I joined literally. I was seventeen. The only reason I went my senior year in high school is because I got the captain uh, position to wrestle. But I could have graduated eleventh grade. Uh, I went right. in as I went as a PFC. I did ROTC all four years in high school, um, and I've always wanted to be in the military, dude. Like I, I got embarrassing stories too. Like from when I was a kid, like I used to make my mom take me to like the army surplus store and buy me camis. I was like that weirdo in school who'd wear camouflage to school you do that yeah you do that now, yeah. <laughs> do that now so it's uh, like dude. i always i i came to america dude literally the first place i went to when i landed in miami my mom took us to mcdonald's the first meal i had in america was a happy meal
0: yeah. right like <laughs> nothing more first, american than that The first right thing there, i saw on t- dude turned on the tv
1: the first thing i i saw was the gulf war happening dude yeah. and as soon as i saw that shit, my mom wow. still tells me to this day she's like ever since you saw those tanks. Going across the sand, you said that's all you've ever wanted to do. And I I haven't. You had to do it? You went to to military kindergarten. Pretty much. So (laughs) short story long, like, yeah, I'd do it all over again. Have my cake and eat it, too. I'd probably be SF or dead, and I wouldn't have a wife. I wouldn't have kids. But I'm happy where I'm at now, and I'm glad I did it. That's awesome. Well, since you didn't eat your cake, can I have her number? (laughs) <laughs>
0: so, Brent, I, I really want to hear about the story again. I, you know, I, uh, I, I heard you talk about it a little bit, but I, I'm interested in hearing some more details about when you met Tony Robbins because he actually came to. I, I you, you told the story about Tony Robbins, Chuck Liddell, and coming to your school all in one story. So, I'd love to hear that. I want the listeners to
1: hear it. That sounds awesome.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the book, and I'll, I'll paraphrase because I don't have the, the book memorized. But so. 2009. I'll, I'll make this as quick as I can. So 2009, I was living in Vegas, and I lost my mom in April on Good Friday. And up until that point, I had been pretty high speed and started a t-shirt company. I was sponsoring a jiu-jitsu team. I'd been doing jujitsu for about a year, year and a half. I was starting to sponsor some UFC guys. I uh, Tokino, Husumal Harris was uh, one of the guys uh, I was sponsoring. Matt Riddle, who's now a WWE guy. Um, And and a few other guys. So things were going well. And for some reason, well, (laughs) for some reason, when I lost my mom, it just, uh, it just hit me really hard. And I started making a lot of excuses for myself. Uh, I also had a a career at that time. And uh, after 118 years with RH Donnelly, uh, they filed corporate bankruptcy. So all within a three week period, I lost my mom, I flew back to Vegas Uh, was let go with a bullshit severance package, and then realized that I was in a terrible relationship and had to end that, the girl I moved out to Vegas for. So basically in three weeks, I lost my mom, my job, and my girl. Um, Two of those were a good good thing, because I wanted to be entrepreneurial, and I didn't like the girl anymore. But losing my mom was tough. And that whole rest of 2009, I, I put on weight. I got lazy, undisciplined, lowered my standards. Everything about someone that I hate if I'm, you know, self-analyzing myself. And right before the new year, it was like two or three in the morning on a Tuesday, I bought some Tony Robbins CDs in my new apartment that I was living in by myself. And it just started clicking. So right after the new year, I called my friend who was good friends with Mike Dolce. Mike Dolce works with a lot of the top UFC fighters. diet, Nutrition, right? weight Same cuts. Guy. Yeah. So he introduced me to Dolce. We met at a Starbucks and I got on the Dolce diet. At the time I had blown up to about 226 pounds and signed that I was going to fight at a catch weight of 175 in Whoa. exactly 13 weeks. <laughs> so I had, a over, I had a little over 50 pounds to lose. And the good thing was at the time he was working with Bisbing and Rampage. And Rampage had a lot of the tendencies I had, like smashing an entire pizza, et cetera. So fast forward, I'm training with my team at the time, and I'm also going over to tap out training center where Dolce was, you know, coaching out of. And there one day about a month before my fight was Chuck Liddell and he had flown Tony Robbins in just like Bill Clinton did Andre Agassi and so many other people. And he had flown in Tony Robbins to help, you know, resurrect his career and really work on his mental game. So, as I'm leaving the gym and successfully flirting with the very attractive young lady at the front desk, I had bought like four pairs of wraps. I didn't need four pairs of wraps. <laughs> I, I just wanted more time to talk to her. And uh, in walks Tony Robbins, the guy who, for the last four to six weeks, has literally changed my life, made me set a monster goal of doing an MMA fight, which I'd never done. I'm 33 years old, I'm out of shape, I'm depressed. And in 13 weeks, I'm going to get in the cage with someone I have no idea about, but is probably more well trained than me. And the owner of the gym, who I'd given Tony's CDs to, I'm like, dude, you got to get on this, man. This is incredible stuff. Meets Tony and he says, hey, this guy over here, Brent Magnuson, he gave me your CDs and it's changing my life. And in front of everyone, Tony kind of bellows out and is like, oh, so you're the ass. Giving away all my CDs for free. Hmm. It was so cool just to, you know, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you. And I've met a few, but I can tell you, and hero is a word that, you know, gets thrown around pretty haphazardly. But at that point in my life, he really was a hero for me. And he, did not disappoint in any way. Before he walked in to talk to Chuck, he pulled me off to the side and we talked for about two to three minutes. And it's one of the most important conversations I've ever had in my life. And he reinforced a lot of what he talks about. Um, but more importantly, he reinforced the self-worth that I had really let go. And it's emotional for me to talk about it. Like I'm, I'm a grown man and I'm getting emotional thinking about it. It was 10 years ago. And I mean, it's, uh, You know, it's, uh, it's a big deal when you're, you're told by someone that's helped millions of people and I try not to put people on a pedestal, but when you're desperate, um, you'll listen. And I'm glad I listened that day. And I, I learned some stuff that I'm still trying to apply to my life today. And I put a lot of that in the book and it was, uh, it was a big moment. And I took that positivity forward, um, got lucky, got a first round submission in that, uh, MMA fight and, um, yeah, it really started off on a on a new foot after uh going through a, a bit of a loss. Did so you continue to fight? The, uh, that's the Tony Robbins story.
0: Did you continue to fight
2: after No, that? I just did the one, man, yeah. with... There you go. Get out no, while you're on time. No. Undefeated. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Undefeated. <laughs> Undisputed. <There> you go. <laughs> Have you met Miguel? He's undefeated in his jiu-jitsu
2: Nogi. At <laughs> Nogi. Oh, <laughs> yeah. dog. In his entire career. And it sucks. Oh my God. It's such bullshit. Like someone was trying to help me write a bio and they're like, you need to put on there that you're an undefeated MMA. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I love it. (laughs) I'm like, you even think about putting that on. I have no problem. The videos on YouTube. Anyone can go watch it. Brent Magnuson versus Ernie Rivera, Las Vegas, tough enough, April, 2010. It's right there for everyone to see. But if you think I'm going to walk around, (laughs) puffing my chest out, Talking about, I'm an undefeated MMA fighter. Like literally, I should just move to Siberia you now. Yeah. <laughs> so Dude, that it's is not uh...
1: hands down the best thing about winning. That was I went to open mat the next day, and I went there. People said congratulations, and immediately started making fun of me, which is <laughs> yes. the best. That's the be- That's the people yeah. you need to be hanging around yeah, with. Like don't, don't walk around. Don't think you're a Billy badass or yeah, whatever like it's awesome yeah. like that's how you should be like I don't feel I feel like I just showed up you yeah. know what I'm saying I showed up you know luck is uh when when opportunity meets preparedness right and dude I, all I had to do was show up I literally found out the day before the the thing was yeah. I, I was like at work on Friday when I found out that I was competing the next day I thought yeah. I was, it was no Nove- it's yeah. recorded I'm like November 17th November 17th they combined the, the two different events. Two different events, and I—I don't know what it was. I think I was looking at the IBJJF schedule because I really want to sign up for an event, and uh, and I was like, "What? No, wait, that's tomorrow." And I was like, "Going?" And they had me like as a white belt, and they had me at like 180 something, and I was like, "Bro, I'm everything like, was wrong." I'm like, "I'm 192. I'm a white. I'm a blue belt now." Like, so I had to like I was like emailing that whole night, and then like getting ready, and I went to like Target like at 10 o'clock at night after practice, and. <laughs> yeah, I went to the kids' no gi class to just kind of like loosen up because I was like, oh, I got to do no gi and gi, and I've been using my Saturdays for this, you know, and not doing no gi. Yeah. So I was like, man, it was just a hot mess. Of a day. Hey, I gotta,
2: th- I gotta throw something in real quick about that MMA fight. So it was in Vegas, and I was with the Carlson Gracie team at the time. <laughs> and on that same card, I was like the first or second fight of the night. And on that same card, the main event was Frank Mir's nephew. Her cousin Larry Mir. Um, <laughs> it, with- <laughs> it, yeah. it just sounds like no. you're making this up now. <laughs> no, Larry no, mirror is I'm there. not. And Larry Mir, Larry Muir actually had a big fight with Ryan Couture. So you had the yeah. Couture oh, the in the same promotion. Tough enough. But so right before I'm about to walk out, and like I'm so pumped for the whole thing. Everything's planned. I'm coming out to Thunderstruck to honor Arturo Gotti, one of my favorite boxers. I've got killers in my corner. I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm as prepared as I could possibly be. And right before I walk out, Frank Mir, who's in the back, and you know, you're just rolling and working on position, last minute stuff. And Frank Mir comes over and he says, hey man, what are you like, six one?" I said, yeah, he's like, this guy you're fighting is like 5'10", 5'9". He's like, if you get this guy in the ropes, Use your height and ragdoll him. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, I got my blue belt like three weeks before the fight, oh, wow. and I'm like, well, what do you mean ragdoll? Him? And he literally grabs me. He goes over my head and just puts me in like a modified guillotine just to like throw me off. And he and then okay, so fast forward, I go out there. It's in the first round, and I throw like a teep kick. And I know this guy's a Taekwondo guy and a boxer. He doesn't really have much jujitsu, and we get against the ropes. And I do exactly what Frank Mir. Like eight minutes prior, told me to do
1: fresh I take
2: him down and then I get position and I I over him. And what I was just there. like, So that is the Frank and by the way, Frank Mir is a fantastic. He used to train at our gym as well. He's a fantastic uh jujitsu guy. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he's breaking Tim Sylvia's arm yeah. and everything else. Yeah. But Monster very of cool man. Frank Mir story, super humble guy, former UFC champ. And he takes time out of his night to uh, talk to little old Brent and say, "Hey, man, you need to rag this guy. You're a lot taller than him." So super cool. Yeah,
0: that's a neat are, story. Are you still? Are you a UFC fan?
2: Oh, oh huge man! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who do you got yeah. today? I mean, we're, we're filming it's on. Uh, the, yeah, it's right happening now. right
0: now. They're filming. They're they're fighting during the day, but who do you got, Gaethje or Khabib?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I'd like to see Gaethje win. Not that I have anything against uh, Khabib. Uh, I think Khabib's amazing, but I also think that there are some big holes in his game and it's easy mm. for a one and O amateur undefeated undefeated MMA undefeated.
0: Just say undefeated. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to say one Just and Say o. that,
2: <laughs> but um, you know, and, and at the same time, I want Khabib to win because I really want to see Khabib and GSP because yeah. I think GSP absolutely mauls and submits him. Wow. That's wow. my take, but I think Khabib gets it done tonight. Uh, but, and, and I'm pulling for him because I want to see that super fight. And it's one fight that I understand Khabib's dad wanted. He yeah. wanted him to fight GSP. And I think GSP is absolutely the best to ever do it. Um, I, and I think he mauls Khabib. I think his wrestling's better than Khabib's. I think his submission game, I think everything GSP does is better than Khabib. Those are some bold statements. They are. And I, and I think they're factual. and I, I, I think agree, a lot I of people, agree with them. I agree with a lot of people, you know, I mean, GSP is naturally a bigger guy. He's a bigger
1: dude. Yeah, for sure.
2: But his cardio is better. He's stronger. He's, I believe he's a better wrestler. He's a better scrambler. He's, he's got better submissions. He's got better submissions in the places that they're important. He's good off his back. And yeah, I think GSP actually takes Khabib down, but that's just me.
1: Who do you got tonight? Tonight. Today. Like (laughs) I said, bold, bold statements, but I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, a hey, shout-out to the matchmakers. That's a match where I'm like, I don't know who wins this. It's anybody's game. It's, it's who makes the least mistakes is going to win this one. You're talking about Gaethje, a Gaethje, Gaethje Khabib. Khabib, okay, today. Yeah. I don't know who's going to win that fight. I,
0: I saw some, I was watching some film, you know, it's shit online uh, the last couple of days, and when you talk about holes in his game, and he's gotten better, but, I mean, there's holes in his stand-up. Yeah. You know, Even going back to he the to the McGregor up. fight. You know, McGregor connected, connected yeah. well. Gaethje's a little bit more wild
1: and can take a punch. He doesn't like that, that when people say it? that about him. Who? He's not wild. He's calculated. Who? But he looks wild. Gaethje? Yeah. He Bullshit. actually physically gets mad when you say he's wild. Bullshit.
0: He's, he's wild I mean, he's wild <laughs> and he can, I, I put the two statements together. If I say he's wild and can take a punch, I don't think I would say those things separately. He's wild and most guys that are wild get caught a lot. Yeah. Gaethje's wild and can take that punch that you'll catch him with and just keeps on coming. Right. So if he could stop, if he could stuff to take, it all comes down to the takedown. If he could stuff to takedown and keep it on his feet, he wins. You know
1: how many if takedowns? If he gets taken down, he loses. That's it. I mean, it's as simple as that. All-American wrestler Justin Gaethje, you know how many takedown attempts he has in the UFC? Like none. Zero. You know yeah. how many takedowns he has in the UFC? Zero. He's literally never showcased his wrestling. Yeah. So... This fight I'm super excited for because he's going to have to wrestle. He's going to have to stuff. He's going to have to wrestle. Yeah. Stuff, he's going to shoot, bro. Oh, you think he's going to shoot? You think he shoots? Yeah. He's going to stand and bang. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a mistake. He's going to stand and bang. And then Khabib's going to go for his patented overhand right slash single leg slash drop Mm -hmm. the arm to go to that double. And you're going to see a gnarly sprawl and a gnarly cross face. And I don't know if that's going to be enough stuff to stop Khabib, but... Like okay. I said, man, great match. It's going to be yeah. a great match. I don't oh. know who wins it, man. All right. Anybody could win that one. And it's during the day. It's like actually it's the, at, the, well, the, the main, main card, card started at 2, two right? At 2, yeah. where it's 2.30 It's currently here. paused right now. <laughs> at your I'm house? not joking. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, that's a <laughs> pro tip. Just letting you know, pro tip. So, like, you know these UFC commercials are, like, ridiculously long. So, said, because it's all on an app now, even the pay-per-view event, what we do is we just go about our days and then we, we've got it down time to where we pause it when it starts and then we watch it later on in the day. So that way we just fast watch forward. the fights, fast forward, watch the fights, and then we're live by like oh, okay. by, by the main by event. mid yeah. main card. Okay. So that way you're live for, for like the last two. I was three gonna
0: fights. say yeah. that it's a it's a great strategy. The only thing you gotta shut off your alerts on your phone. Oh dude, I am <laughs> I am avoiding the internet right yeah. now. I'm
1: like uh, yeah.
0: So Brent, before we uh, before we let you go, let's talk about the Resilient Warrior Foundation. Let's uh, let's definitely make sure that uh, we we give it its due. Tell us a little bit about how you yeah. got involved, and you know that how, how that all came about. Because you're on the board, yeah. correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, r- real quick, before I do the RWF, I have to ask. I'm going to live out a fantasy that I have my own jujitsu podcast, and I have to ask two questions that I think every jujitsu podcast person or guests should be asked. So I'm going to ask you guys, if you don't mind, hit us, let's questions. do it. Oh, it's usually two
1: the other questions. way around. We'll go
2: rapid fire and I'll answer the questions and then you guys go. And then I will turn over the, let's do it. To you. So question. Number one, the best three guys you've ever rolled with. Um, real quick for me, it is um, my professor, Luis Claudio. Number two is Marillo Bustamante, an old school guy from Carlson Gracie team. And number three is a close tie between Vinny Magalash and Kyle Terra. Both amazing guys, but (laughs) Kyle's so small. I'm like 6'1", 215, 220, and Kyle's like 140 pounds wet. And he threw me all over the place. So those are my three guys.
1: Um, I would definitely have to say Professor Felipe. Uh, Hands down, number one for me. I don't have a huge Rolodex. Uh, I'm still very young in my career. Uh, second would definitely be Adolfo, who comes to our gym periodically. and he's, Adolfo he's, Suarez, who's yep. a ground belt under
0: uh, Roberto Cyborg. And he's a- competing a this weekend at yeah.
1: IBJJF in Alabama, I believe. Mm-hmm. And good luck to him. Um, third. It's a tough third. Because sometimes, some people turn it on, and it's unexpectedly tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would... I would probably say Floraine yeah. yeah, she's when she turns it on. She's a coach at our school. She's a coach at our school. Purple belt, uh, female, nice. um, very technically sound, and equally as strong. Yeah. Um, nice. So so when she turns it on and you make a mistake, she'll capitalize and you'll pay yeah. for it.
0: Yeah. So so yeah, we definitely haven't. Uh, even though we're down here in the land of jujitsu in South Florida, we're not too far from American Top Team where. You know, really, uh, I think when people think of our area, you know, uh, Coral Springs, Coconut Creek, you know, outside of Fort Lauderdale, people are thinking ATT. Uh, I've got to say I haven't rolled with uh, anybody, I think, you know, that, you know, famous that, you know, names are just going to be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Not like the names you just ran off, Brent. I mean, we just uh, I haven't come across guys that, you know, of uh, that kind of stature in our world. Uh, But I would definitely say, uh, do I put them in order? Let me see. I, I mean, no a definitely shout, no yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, our professor who won his fight to win in Fort Lauderdale yeah. down here uh, about a, a year and a half ago. Uh, he's amazing. Um, his uh, I got my lockdown from him. He is amazing with the lockdown and, and sweeps from the lockdown. He I've I go a whole nother way with the lockdown, but he can literally mm-hmm. like put his hands behind his head. And just have the lockdown and move your whole entire body around oh, yeah. and sweep you and get right on top of you. He's he's freaking amazing. Um, yeah. Second, uh, and he was a guest on the show, um, Drew Phoenix from GFT, who's yeah. now opened up his own gym and just got his black belt. Uh, he is, uh, well, he's called him a spider monkey. He used to come and train with uh, with at my first gym. He moves like um, like he's on fast forward. You know, like, uh, like somebody actually, like when he moves, he like if somebody's pressing a fast forward button. He is amazing. Uh, and I didn't. Re- he was a purple belt when I was uh, probably white to just getting my blue. And he was amazing. I'm like, oh, how the hell? This is a purple belt. I'm like, I- I- I'm never going to be this fast. Uh, so he's amazing. Again, he's a black belt now. And congrats to him. He's uh I think his gym is M&A.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know the full name. I'm sorry, Drew. Out of the Extreme Uh, Action uh, Park
1: uh, in Fort Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale, yeah. Yeah. His
0: uh, GFT unfortunately closed because of COVID. He went and opened his own gym. Uh, So, yeah, Professor Drew. Um, And then I'd have to say again, Adolfo. Adolfo is... uh, Yeah. Adolfo is Drew. He's like Drew with... And uses his strength. Soul-crushing neon belly. Yeah,
1: soul-crushing
0: neon bellies, uh, soul-crushing
1: strength. I, I have a nickname for him. <laughs> what is it? It's Meat Blanket. Meat Blanket? Yeah. What does that That's, mean? He's literally, he's <laughs> made oh. out of meat, and uh, you can't that. get him off of you, yeah.
0: bro. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. You know, and, and, uh, and I have to say, mm-hmm. I haven't rolled with him. I've, I've avoided him since I'm coming back off of an ACL and MCL uh, yeah. sprain. So I was out the entire COVID, Brent. I was out the entire time. It happened the day before I was going into quarantine in March. Uh, so it kept me home either way. I couldn't, I couldn't cheat and he train. He has no mercy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've avoided him because he's just too fast and, I, and I'm not comfortable with my knee yet. So I smile at him from across the gym, but I, I definitely avoid yeah. him right now. <laughs> um, but one of the things, one of the amazing, the littlest, it's like the littlest things that I added to my game that I learned from him mm-hmm. was... Really float, like being able to float on top of people by using my hands, like basing out. Yeah. Like if somebody's rolling me, just very, feeling very comfortable with being able to, like somebody sweeping, putting my hands out and literally like they could put me, my feet all the way up in the air and they can't get me off of them. The right. Meat, the meat blanket is yeah. what he does, right? And also using my head as my fifth limb. Yep. using my head to base. I just learned that from watching him, not from him doing it on me because I probably couldn't see it. But watching him roll and studying I, I what he does, do that. I use my head as my fifth limb. And probably shout out to him. I, I think, with the exception of the lockdown, which is a huge part of my game, that is probably one of the best things. And and. Uh, things that I use on every role that I that I take away from somebody that I train with. So those are my top three again. Not not huge famous guys, but uh, yeah. you know definitely a huge impact in our world. And uh, you know I know uh, he's yeah. it, uh, he's due for his black belt, and I think Cyborg's basically told him like yeah. until you win a
1: gold, until you're on that. It's podium. happening this weekend. It's dude. happening
0: when he when he gets his <laughs> when super, he gets his I'm next gold. I'm super
1: rooting for him, man. Yeah, he's, he deserves it. Awesome. If anybody deserves it, man. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know Why much, it's... man. It's just you know I'm talking from the bleachers. Yeah, but I just think. As a human being, you know, I see him how he interacts with his wife and his kid, and yeah. and how he treats other people. And he's awesome. He's amazing. Yeah, he's dude. just a good dude, yeah. and really good at what he does.
0: So Adolfo, the only reason I'm avoiding you and staying away <laughs> is
1: because I don't
0: want you to smash my for the, knee for the obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so go ahead, Brent. We're gonna. Did you have another question, yes, Brent? You said two, you had right? two,
2: right? Did you have two questions? Uh, yeah. The other one, I just, I'm always interested in uh, favorite submission. Mine's. I talk about it a lot. I'm, I'm obsessed with the Ezekiel choke. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I so I'm hate always you. Curious. I'm always <laughs> curious when I talk to people, what, uh, you know, jujitsu jitsu guys, especially guys that I don't know or that I can't train with, I'm always curious what yeah. uh, people's favorite submissions are.
0: That's funny. As an aspiring jujitsu jitsu podcaster, I actually also have that, just so you know, I also have that on my my list of questions as a don't forget to ask this question. Yeah. What's so, your favorite so, but go ahead. Go, go
1: ahead, Miguel. What's your favorite? You know what my favorite kind of beer is? <laughs> Free beer. <laughs> you know, get it right. Any I anyone that. I could get at this point. Yeah. Is what uh, no, but if I had if I had to pick one I like that answer. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, I would have to say Kimura, specifically from the bottom is my favorite. Yeah. It's the most satisfying to land when they're on top of you and they fall into your guard and they start kind of losing the hand battle game. And then I escape my hips out of one end, I'm yeah. able to grab a wrist, and they're not paying attention, and then ah, sneak it in. Nice, Wagada, bro. You know what my favorite move is? Do you know my uh, favorite move? Uh, what the apple grave?
0: they I. I did not. I did not give it this name, Brent. I'm not gonna. I'm. Uh, I'm actually a little embarrassed <laughs> to say it sometimes because I. I'm, I'm not sure how inappropriate. I don't it know. Is. I'll call it but, the Waffle House, yeah. bro. Smothered,
1: covered in chunks, right?
0: It's a I tough uh, my, one. my favorite move, Brent, is the north south choke. choke. Um, it's I, good. I, that? Yeah, I believe that, uh, that it comes back from when I didn't know how to do a north south choke. My very first tournament at, at white belt, I basically wound up in north south and had my belly on this guy's face, and he tapped. Didn't really yeah. know that you know I was just holding a position. And kind of let my weight down, and, and, you know, he was a white belt, too, and was getting smothered. But that turned—I took that, and I said, I need to understand this position. Uh, and, and I just went on YouTube and discovered Marcelo Garcia, and then just started to study it and find every freaking video I could find, uh, and then learned how to actually do the choke, which which I absolutely love. And anytime I show it to anybody, I say, look, most people, especially, you know, again, uh, you know mm-hmm. maybe purple belt and below— when they're learning jujitsu, they're learning guard, side you know, control, mount. Terrible. Um, a lot of I. I mean, think back to a time where your coach has taught you how to defend against somebody going north south on you. I was never taught a, de- a, a defense. Other, you know, it's one of those like, don't let them get there. Alligator
1: That's, roll, bro. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> it's it's something that people don't teach, especially in the basics. So I'm definitely able to get that on. You know, people my belt and below still. Yeah. And but I but I just love it because it's so easy to get. I can get it from a neon belly. Mm-hmm. I go neon belly, you take your hands down, your neck's completely open. I just quickly transition to the it's top. It's a legit submission. And yeah. And it's uh and no can defend.
1: Yeah, it's know? it's not only a legit submission, and I've I've been on the other end of it several times, uh, it's also it teaches you a lot about self-control when you're getting submitted that way too, because like you're also having a mini panic attack. <laughs> You are no, you have to good. you I've told myself internally cuz you can't speak cuz it's a good choke uh, like you're okay. <laughs> 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 you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right, buddy. He's, not, he's probably not going to murder so, you. Some of the taps are freak out taps like all yeah. right just get off me bro I can't yeah. take it, you know.
0: Well, I, I and actually I do go back to I got Alex on this recently and he was just like uh you know, went to the the straight. The Abu Ghraib comes from uh our, one of our co-host jokes with me. Um you know, I'm a big guy so I don't look as sexy as the rest of you guys in, in Rash Guard. So I always wore a T-shirt over my Rash Guard. And that Rash Guard gets really sweaty with my sweat and my opponent's sure sweat do. on Anogi Day. So, uh, you know, our co-host, Miguel, uh, excuse me, uh, Junior, says that that wet T-shirt is like, you know, is like being waterboarded. Yeah, it is, dude. <laughs> and it turned in, he named it to the Abu, the Abu Grave, and, and here we are. But the other day, I actually got Alex on that, like... Uh, I had just gotten back. It was one of my first or second rolls back after uh, since big quarantine. Alex. Uh, yeah, oh, the fresh, Alex. fresh purple Cut. belt. Yeah, fresh purple Congrats belt. Shout out. out to Alex. Congrats on your purple belt. Um, I actually I couldn't get him. I could see the clock. It had like maybe ten seconds left. Yeah, and I couldn't get it. I w- I just kind of forgot a little thing that he's, where I had to put my head. He's square me. And I just laid on his face and he tapped and nice. I gave yeah. him the straight Abu Ghraib with the with the wet key in that one so so anyway that was my long answer but yes yeah, my favorite fight. that definitely hands down my favorite move more more than anything is that people just don't know how to defend it and yeah. uh and some of the guys that there's a transition after that for the guys that do know how to defend or get in get a hand in and like give me some knuckles in my neck from oh, yeah. the bottom there's a nice uh, i don't even know what it's called but it's like an arm crank i can transition lay next to you throw my leg over you and and pull up on your that elbow. stuff
1: junior does all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a nice transition there uh when you're comfortable and you can control the person yeah. still. Your hand still behind their neck. You tra- you are basically laying down next to them, throw a leg over them yeah. and just pull up on their their elbow with their arm is usually hugging you from the bottom. So uh so yeah. So that that's why I love it. I've been so, there. I know what's up. All right. <laughs> so let's jump into uh into RWF. Let's let's talk about that. Let's make sure uh, yeah, we yeah. give them a little shout out here. Talk a little bit about uh, what they do and, and your role there.
2: Sure. And I appreciate you guys answering those questions. I know yeah. you said you had it written down. <laughs> no, I love this, it. Not trying to take over the show. I just, I'm always curious. I obviously no. like you guys, I love jujitsu and it's always cool to talk about, uh, different positions. And no,
0: different I love it. I love but. it. And if you're going to do a podcast, let us know. We can, uh, you know, I'll give you some of the tips and talk about some of the things that we've done and mistakes we've made. I'm not. So we'll, I'll just
2: come back on uh, yours if I'm so. All right. <laughs> that's cool, too. <laughs> all right. So, do it. Uh, do, do a live one. I, I appreciate one. it, though. You got it. But um, yeah, something else. I'm, And I really appreciate it. I know you guys work with a lot of different um, nonprofits in the similar space. So I really appreciate you letting me briefly talk about uh, Resilient Warrior Foundation, you know, it's, it's something that's so important to me. Um, so RWF, Resilient Warrior Foundation, is a uh, we're a 501c3 that serves U.S. veterans and first responders who suffer from PTSD or PTS. I, I usually leave the disorder off, but the PTSD is usually the diagnosis that the mm-hmm. Department of Veteran Affairs gives. And um, with that, we provide scholarships to pay for. Uh, your monthly jiu-jitsu fees. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of scientific studies underway right now uh, examining Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a complementary treatment to conventional therapies. And um, it's just, I mean, the results that we see with a lot of these warriors, these veterans and first responders going into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the vast majority getting into jujitsu for the first time. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of touches on what we talked about earlier and how, you know, people, every walk of life, people have anxiety, people have, you know, different uh, issues, if you will. We have depression, we have stress, we have anxiety, and we all have to deal with those and we all deal with those and manage those in, in different ways. And a lot of veterans, especially a lot of guys and gals uh, that endured trauma overseas um, have real serious issues and people. TSD yep. is a serious thing, yep. and I think what jiu-jitsu does that's so amazing, in addition to you know seeing a psychologist and uh, taking a more holistic approach and going to a chiropractor for pain and all these different things, what jiu-jitsu does is it puts you head-on with those issues, with those anxieties and those different fears, and you have to, again, you have to learn to trust people again. You, you have to face those fears. You have to confront those demons Um, that are holding so many of us back. And uh, it forces bonding and camaraderie. And again, it eases the stress and anxiety that you have because you're confronting all those things. And uh, it's just so important. And it's something I'm so passionate about. Um, The website is resilientwarriorfoundation.org. And uh, like I say, it's something really near and dear to my heart, being a a veteran and and being a jujitsu guy, um, I have to thank my, my good friend, Matt Davidson, for starting this organization. Uh, we have a fantastic board, and we're just continuing to grow. We just got another warrior in uh, down in Texas uh,
0: yesterday. That's awesome. And uh, right. it's just
2: really, really um, close to my heart. And just like everyone else, you know, jujitsu puts you in hard situations. And hard situations, when you get through them, makes you a better person. And for someone that has severe PTSD and doesn't even want to leave their house, it's a tremendous uh, on-taking or task for them to go to a jujitsu school, not know anything about it, and willingly get on the mat and say, okay, I'm going to put my life and my limbs in your hands and trust that you're going to take this journey with me. And when Mm. you leave there and when you start doing that on a regular basis... Um, it's just a phenomenal thing. You guys know it. I wish everyone knew it. Right. And again, if there's anything you can do to support uh, Resilient Warrior Foundation, we tremendously appreciate it.
0: We're going to make sure we uh, we, oh, we yeah. always uh, we'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, while you're talking about it in post, and then we're also going to put it in the description on both the podcast and on the YouTube uh, description. So uh, so it'll be out there.
1: Uh, people will be able to click the link and, and we'll, do, uh, and go uh, we'll and do the
0: we'll do the banner with the
2: airplane. Going
1: by the beach, now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Um, on a serious note, uh, when I was doing the nogi competition uh, this past weekend, one of the guy I started talking to the guy that I competed against, and I was like, "Oh, what do you do?" You know? And he was like, "Oh, I just kind of run Airbnbs and and I and I get and I get uh, and I just I make enough money to just do what I want. And me and my wife just kind of, you know, she works on on yachts and and I just I just. I work to train. Like I just I work to train. That's what I do. And I was like, "Oh, that's real cool." And then he asked me and he's like, "Oh, yeah, and I also do this, you know, Jiu-Jitsu podcast and some and, and it's like like I sleep good at night, you know. Uh, you know, the 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 owner of the podcast, he's always uh, trying to help out, you know, wounded wounded warrior foundation, like all this stuff. You know, he's like, "You know, a lot of my Airbnb clients are like these vets that are just jacked up, man, and like they just drink too much." And I I was like, "Dude, just uh, I wish I could I could help with using the stuff that we do in jujitsu, uh, and and like be able to spread that to those people. And let me kind of like look into it. But this is this sounds great for like somebody yeah. like that because you know the the We Defy Foundation is for ninety percent disabled, whereas this sounds more like people with PTSD who could also
0: yeah the uh, We Defy is more for wounded, wounded. combat veterans yeah. So is uh, and you'll Do you have a stipulation? Uh, yeah, like what is the level of of dis, dis, what's disability?
1: The word? Yeah, it's disability. Dis, yeah. yeah, like is there a percentage minimum, or do they have to have some sort of classification,
2: or? Yeah, there's no. There's no. Ne, there's not necessarily a, cl- a classification or a percentage minimum. Essentially, what you have to have is we need to get a copy of your DD two fourteen, right? And w- in addition to that, we do need to get a copy of your service connection. What okay. percentage that is at? It doesn't matter, but you do have to have a diagnosis of PTSD. Got it. And most diagnoses nice. of, of PTSD are at least uh, at least twenty to thirty percent. Again, it varies for everyone. I'm very interested. Um, I know then. mine just for PTSD mine is minus fifty percent just for that. Uh, so varies, but um, yeah, yeah, just knowing that there's a uh, an actual diagnosis and it's uh, a service connected. The disability yeah. is our requirement. It's a little different. Uh, that's specifically for veterans. We also work with first responders. So it's a little different crisis. working specifically with veterans, being a vet, being a jujitsu guy. I speak both languages. And, you know, you touched on a really important thing when you mentioned that alcohol and the B&Bs and stuff, you know, fights happen for really two reasons, too much alcohol or too much ego. And PTSD does an amazing job of affecting your sleep and affecting your mood. And a lot of people fall, you know, victim to, if you have tremendous sleep issues, well, there's no easier way in your mind at the time to get to sleep than to drink some yeah, Jack Daniels
1: self-medicate. And,
2: and self-medicating can, can go on and on and on. And one of the things that jujitsu does, especially for any vets that might fall into that category and it happens to the best of us is it gets you immediately into a positive environment. It gets you into immediately into a Thursday night jiu-jitsu class with the G right. from seven to eight thirty. It's a lot healthier than Thursday night football from seven to ten and you know eight beers and four shots. And it puts you in that healthy, healthy, healthy environment. Hey man, and um, it's it's incredible.
1: It gives you something something that you said when you were giving your explanation as to how it helps. Uh, something you left out, but I know I know you know is true. Is it gives it gives you something to look forward to. Right. Whether it be ego based or whether it be from a good place, like you don't want to get subbed by that guy again, man, I might be drinking too much. I don't want to you. You will get in better shape because of you you stroking your own ego
2: at first. Oh, yeah. And And, one of the things we hear. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah.
1: And then I was just saying and then after that, I believe it transitions to now you have something to look forward to. So you make different life decisions. You know, you're like, oh, I signed up for that competition. Got to stay away from the sweets. Yeah. You know, oh, I, you have something to look forward to, which when you are in the army, I believe there's also like a little type of PTSD, like the I miss it PTSD, which is like you look forward to like, you know, that camaraderie. You look forward to like, I'm going to go out and do something that means something to me and to my friends and keep my friends alive and see my friends. Mm-hmm. And that you have stuff to look forward to. Like I like going to jujitsu because it's like, Everybody has a different story. And then when you roll with them, it's like, oh, man, you, you ended that story a certain way. And you want to come back and, and add to that story with you and that certain person and your professor. Yeah. Like, it's really awesome, you know.
0: Hey, guys, I want to change. I'm going gonna, 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 to go ahead. Go was, ahead Brad. No, no, Brett, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought.
2: The last thing I was going to say is what's so important. And we hear from a lot of the veterans that we put through this program is whether you're a kid and you're learning or whether you're a veteran and you've endured trauma and you're relearning. You're relearning or learning to deal with stress and you're relearning to deal with anxiety. Again, going back to that 220 pound gorilla on top of you, sweating, you got sweat dripping into your eyes, trying to strangle you. That is anxiety and stress at a 10 and once, twice, two, three times a week that you're going in to train jujitsu. Every time you leave, you've just had a stress management class. You've just had an anxiety management class. And the more you go, the more you learn or relearn to deal with stress and to manage it. And it's just so beneficial. And again, if you want to donate resilientwarriorfoundation.org, or if you're a, a veteran or a first responder with PTSD that you you received uh, in duty to your, uh, to your country, then uh, please look us up and uh, we'll do what we can to help. That's awesome. awesome.
0: Do you have a copy of the book there? Can you hold it? Do you have a copy you can hold up? Let everybody see that book and let them know where they can get it.
2: Come on, Milton. I yeah. got like 30 of them
0: I'm here. I, f- I figured. I knew. Loaded. Loaded, loaded question.
2: Yeah, it kind of matches this shirt here. There you go. Roger, Roger up. up. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. people
0: uh, Amazon, right? You can go, go over to Amazon, search Roger Absolutely. up, and we are going to find it, right?
2: Yeah, Amazon. And uh, also check out uh, Jason Redman's book. He wrote the foreword. He's got a great book out called Overcome. And uh, I've been hearing from different people. When you purchase my book, you'll get an email recommending that you buy oh, Jason. There you go. go uh, Very nice and for the get price the two of- for one you'll be good to go.
0: Let me right. ask you a quick question this is okay we're going to put jujitsu jitsu and everything else aside a second. I just want to get your feeling they're not they're not a paid sponsor but I would really love to get more jujitsu guys on the platform that we met on which was called podit.net. How you have had a good experience there so far with with meeting other podcasters or meeting becoming a guest on podcasts is that right?
2: I have. Yeah, yeah. so far so good and it, I'm relatively new to it. Mm-hmm. But I've got a lot of podcast book coming off of a big radio tour for the book. That was a lot of radio and shorter six to 10 minute interviews. And I really like this long form. Yeah. Um, you can actually get a lot of contacts and have a great discussion. So, so yeah. far potted has been a, a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So
0: I joined All another right. one called uh, podcast guests with an S podcast, yes. So they've emailed me a lot. And, uh, and I finally, uh, I said, let me, let me give it a shot. But for anybody out there that has a good story about jujitsu or really anything, you're passionate about anything, go check out podit.net. You set up a nice. profile like a social media site. There's a oh. free option. I upgraded to the paid once it started yielding results. I'm like, oh, I wonder what the paid will do. And I, I don't know, like 15 bucks a month, something like that. But there's a free option. You go on there. You set up like a social media type site. Talk about yourself. If you've been on podcasts or if you've got video, you can right. upload stuff. But I think it's an awesome place. I would love to see more. I love having guys on that have a jujitsu-related story, how it comes back to jujitsu and it changed their life. And it's not just, you know, people send me like, hey, talk to this guy. But it gives me a place to kind of look at people and say, okay, I, I get an idea. They're giving me basically their resume on that site. So yeah. I, I really like it. I've been a guest on several podcasts already. I've got a third one coming yeah. in November. Sure. Uh, and it, look, it's just a great way. I, I, I tell my wife it's like Tinder for, for podcasters. I thought it was funny know? when you, you said <laughs> that. yeah <laughs> You could be a guest and you can find guests. So I, I really right. like it. Get on there. It's P-O-D-D-I-T dot net. Self-explanatory. I'll let you guys know how the other site goes as well. Uh, last question for you, Brent. Sure. Now this is the most important question that we ask every guest. I mean, this is like, you know, really groundbreaking stuff here.
2: Let's go. You, Let's go. Do
0: you, do you train? You train in gi,
2: gi and no gi?
0: Do you do gi and I no do, gi?
2: but I'm a, I do, but I'm a gi guy and I don't hide. That. Okay, I'm a gi guy.
0: So, do you wash your belt?
2: Listen, I have an entire, it's an amazing question. I'm going to be very brief. I have a whole chapter in the book about jujitsu and I have a whole section on all these guys and gals and their blue geese and they're the ones that don't wash their (laughs) geese. So for example, if you go out and train with crone, Hicks and son, if you go out and train with crone in Culver city, you have to rent a gi or bring a gi. It has to be white. It has to be clean. It must be washed. If it's not I read oh, there, you're out the door. So I'm a I'm a big proponent of obviously like I talk about hygiene, especially for the new jujitsu and for some of the older ones. You know, hygiene, please trim your flipping fingernails and toenails, oh, please put deodorant on, please wash your flipping gi. And to answer my new esteemed colleague Milton, <laughs> please wash. Your belt. Team Washer Woo! Belt.
0: Hashtag Team Washer Woo-hoo! Belt. It'll be flashing on the screen at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. We got to go. We're going to, uh, I don't want to go over on time, but look, Brent, it's been amazing having you on. Thank you so much. You're our first author. Uh, I love how, uh, you know, I love the story. Go check out the book, everybody. We really appreciate you being here. Time let's, fluid, uh, man. let's do it again in a couple of months. Let us know where you're at, what you're doing. Uh, as you start doing, uh, you, you talked about doing some speaking. Uh, if you've got a schedule or anything that, share with us. Uh, you know We'll put it out there to our listeners as and, well. Uh, and tag,
1: tag me in some of your posts, man. I'd love to share it on my social yeah. media. Awesome.
2: Yeah. I and and where, sure. where I, can
1: people find you too?
2: Yeah, right now, just, uh, just on Facebook, just uh, Brent Magnuson. Okay. And uh, I got the books on Amazon. And, uh, you know what? I appreciate the offer. And, uh, I'm going to say this real quickly, just to put my, one of my really good friends and my professor, Luis Claudio, I'm going to, I'm going to say this now to hold us both accountable. Luis is writing his first book and I am co-writing and co-authoring that with him. Awesome. And the fact that he has such access to Hickson, he does all the diaphragm breathing. I mean, he's like a, a little Yoda. He's amazing. So when that drops next year, um maybe we'll uh, come we'll back. break it up and, and come back and see you guys let's do it for everyone to, to hear that awesome
0: man again right, Brad, thank you very much we're going to let you go we're going to do a little closing here on this end but again we appreciate you thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you guys soon thanks so much man
2: thank you thank you milton i appreciate it and thank you brother i appreciate your service we'll talk take to you guys care soon, man you're loose. worth it bye
0: loose. all right guys that was awesome man that was cool what a great guy man I love his story. I love his. Uh, I love when people love jujitsu and and they can tie it into the other things that they're doing. It really in their does life. work well with other yeah. stuff. Yeah. We only got a few minutes, so let's uh, let's talk about the competition real quick. We got five minutes. Yeah. You get one minute to talk about the competition. We'll talk about it at the beginning of the next show.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, it was fun. It was a good learning experience. It was yeah. very last minute for me. Um, it was a bit chaotic. Uh, they handled it as best as they could. Uh, it was and, a new breed, right? Yeah. Mm. You know, I don't ever want to talk smack, whatever. They're just doing the best they can with what they got. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it's they're, tough times. They're, they're, they're... they're providing jujitsu yeah. at a good yeah. price point, and you get to compete. It was packed. The experience was all right, you know? Yeah. It was a little chaotic, like I said, but it was overall okay. good. Um, I had fun. I learned a lot about myself. Um, I definitely got into my head when I was doing the gi portion of it. Um, there was a lot of warming up What came first, down. Gi or No or or No gi-, gi was first. No Gi was first. So yeah. you win the gold at No Gi, yeah. and then you go into... And so then you're w- also really tired. I wasn't that tired. No, okay. no, I had a lot of walkovers just because of other people being injured or not showing up. Okay. I essentially walked straight to the finals. Okay. All yeah, right. it wasn't that big of a deal. On the deal. No Gi? On the No gi. Okay, all right. Yeah, and then with the Gi, I had uh, two matches. The first one, I made a real dumb mistake, and I paid for it. Okay. Um, I lost by armbar. And uh the second one I lost by an advantage. So it was zero zero. The guy had an advantage. Don't really know how he got the advantage. Um, I was playing bottom a lot. And um, but I learned I learned a lot about myself. I think I mentally I mentally tapped on the second one. I could have been way more aggressive and yeah and implemented some stuff that I'm pretty good at and I know I'm good at and I just didn't for some reason. Right. Uh, but it was fun. It was good. Cool. It was a great learning experience.
0: Good, good. Let's let's get into the housekeeping. I don't want to rush oh, in. I'm dude, sorry. Oh, dude, you're not rushing me, man. It's fine. Um, we're going we're gonna to get another SD card so that we don't have to cut things short. We're just. Uh, I got we're, a UFC. We're, fight we're moving. To watch, we're moving yeah, we're moving into a new studio. <laughs> we're going to have some new equipment and we're going to take care of that small issue that, that keeps us at about an hour and 45. Yeah. Uh, so, look, if you're a competitor uh, and you want to get your tournament fees paid for while doing something good by raising money for our foundation that mm-hmm. awards jujitsu scholarships, Go to uh, just search the uh, the jitsu Dummies Foundation on Instagram on Facebook. You can donate on either of those platforms, or you'll find links in our bio. Go to if you go to IG the the podcast bio or the foundation bio, you can click on the Linktree uh, link in our bio. Yeah. It's called Linktree, and you find everything that has to do with us from Amazon Smile. Or, I'm sorry, not Amazon Smile. Our Amazon registry and uh, and you know. Uh, being able to either do a one-time donation or becoming a, a fundraiser. Yeah. So go check that out. I'll keep that short. It's at the JJ Foundation. Uh, excuse me, at the JJD Foundation, or just go Facebook.com, and it's the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation over it now. Uh, thank you, as always, to Dave Kydash from High Road BJJ, who's been one of our biggest supporters and All donators. Right. He's awesome, uh, and he's helping us get out uh, you know, some, uh, some more scholarships faster. So – um, I threw over a shirt to you. Hold, yeah, you want to hold that up, but oh, let's get a picture of that. Yo, oh, and, and we didn't get we'll talk about it more in depth as, as we get both you and junior in, uh, in, uh, in, in the studio. Um, but the crew over at DD214, I threw it, I threw it at you when uh, Brent mentioned yeah. DD214. Uh, but check out Important. DD214 Fightwear uh, at DD214 underscore Fightwear on Instagram or dd214bjj.com. Their uh, their slogan is Gear for the War on PTSD. So go check them out, and we'll give them a proper shout out uh, on the next episode. Get, uh, we'll probably wear the shirts and talk about them a little bit more. All right. Big thank you as always to Fightback CBD and Warbar Soap. Uh, use code JJD for discounts on both of those websites. So at FightbackCBD.com or WarbarSoap.com. Again, I'm doing this fast, guys. Sorry. Uh, check out our podcast store at uh, Jujitsu. Dummies.shop, get 15% off with code JJD. Got lots of cool stuff there. Just added a beach towel, because what do you do it in the middle of September? But in Florida, we're still going yeah, to the beach. Yeah, so right? the, the rest best of the time. country. Best time to go hey, to the beach. Hey, buy a beach towel for Christmas. So you get 15% off with code JJD and uh, free shipping on orders over 50 bucks. Uh, shout outs to our Patreon supporters if you want to support the show for as little as $5 a month and be entered into two... 100 giveaways every month. Go to patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies, and you again can uh, win up to a hundred dollars. Uh, shout out to Robert Walker, Frank House, Liam Berg, Wolsey Rivera, Bo Athletics, Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Britt Tavar, James Fisher, CJ Carroll, Mission 22, Chuck Reddoor, and Roberto Santiago. Again, support us on Amazon hey. Smile. I'm Uncle Milty. Uh, Uncle Mil- at Uncle Milty BJJ on IG MLJ Rico. Here we go. We got it. On go, Let's Get out of here. Oh, Thank you guys. Bye. Appreciate you. Thank you for watching. Let's go watch check this. out uh, Brent's book on Amazon. Roger up. Roger up. Us. Bye, dude. <laughs>